I am so excited. We are in the middle of At the Movies for our series, which is so much fun. I hope you got some popcorn. Heather's back there slaying it with the popcorn, making it delicious. If you need to go get some, this would be your intermission. Go grab some popcorn and candy. There they go. You guys. Wow. I am so excited for today. I am going to preach out of hidden figures. Anyone seen hidden figures before? This hidden figures is like my favorite movie. I could watch it every day. If you have not watched hidden figures, first off, go do it today. Cause like, or all week, I think it's going to rain all week. So like, it's a great movie week. Catch up on all your movies, but watch hidden figures. It inspires you to like do something. Like it's just such an inspirational movie. Also hands down best soundtrack of a movie. Okay. So it's really good music. Turn that on. But hey, we're going to talk today. We're going to talk about be the first, the faith to be the first. And I'm, I'm just so looking forward to what God's going to speak to each of us today. But I want to recap a few things for you if you have missed out. Now, this Sunday, today, change groups kick off. We have a few amazing change groups kicking off. And here at Change, we believe that groups are an opportunity to build community for discipleship. We were not created to do life alone. I love groups. I am such an extrovert. I am like thriving, jumping into groups. So we have groups happening, activities happening today. Um, We have the couples group happening Wednesday. Back to the basics, going through the Bible, Bible study on Thursday. It's going to be incredible. So make sure you are a part of those plug in this summer. And before we get jumping in, we need to dismiss our change kids with their fearless leader, Miss Kirby. So change kids, if you want to head back room 103, take your popcorn, take your candy, all the things. (laughs) They're so excited. Don't you love kids? They're like, but can I take my popcorn? Because I might actually want to stay in here if I only get the popcorn here. Otherwise, I'll go to change kids. It's so cute. You can see their little minds like running a million miles an hour. Well, hey, we have one more week of at the movies next Sunday. And then in July, we are going to be starting a new series called Soul Improvement. Soul Improvement in August. We're going into a series all about artificial intelligence the age of the counterfeit. And it is going to be incredible. I encourage you, dig in. It is going to be an incredible summer. Here's what we're going to do. July, we're going to work on building ourselves. We're going to work on how do we grow? How do we build? And then in August, we're going to learn what are the things that only we can do. Listen, if you're not hearing about artificial intelligence, like turn on your TV or go on social media or something. It's everywhere. And artificial intelligence can do so much for us. Okay. As a business owner, I know, I see it can do so much. It can organize, it can stream like it can do so much. But at the same time, there are things that cannot be replaced. There is certain things that God set in each of us 
that cannot change. And so this is going to be a powerful series as we dig into what really makes us us. Being created in the image of God, like, what is that? God says that. What is that? So the really exciting thing that I can't wait about is during soul improvement in July, we are actually turning this top house right here. If you've not been upstairs yet, it used to be a movie set and we have all these little, we call them our crew chalets. That's our name for them. So it just feels like Sarah, who's our writer, she's like, well, Ashley, they feel like chalets because they have sloped roofs, small houses with a view. I'm like, the fact that you organize that is my favorite thing. So this chalet is going to become the rooted room, and it's going to be a resource center. And we have been collecting books on marriage, relationships, families, business, leadership, growth, everything that you could want to learn about mental health. How do you court, how do you like organize your thoughts? How do you process through pain and trauma? What does the Bible say about healing and faith? And so this room, we've already set it up. You need to check it out if you want to go up there after church today. But it's awesome. It has all these shelves around it. Nice chair, rug. It's going to be just a nice breathing space for you to be able to grow. So definitely check that out tomorrow or next Sunday. I mean, next Sunday, it'll be great. Well, hey, I want to pray before we start into this talking about being the first, would you bow your heads with me? Let's just pray. God, we just thank you for today. God, I thank you for meeting us here. I thank you for what you did in this worship time. And God, as I speak, I pray that it not be my words, but it be your words. God, that you would penetrate hearts, that you would open our minds. God, that you would teach and train us today in how to live and how to move and how to have faith for things in the midst of the in-between, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I've titled today, Be the First. In the movie Hidden Figures, we're going to dive into the first clip in just a few minutes. But in the movie Hidden Figures, we find these incredible women, women of color, who step into NASA to quite literally put the first space shuttle in orbit. And it is based on a true story, and it's incredible. And as I began to pray through today, and as I was watching this movie and prepping for today, God began to speak to me about the power of being the first. And so my hope today, my mandate, if you will, is twofold. Number one, to inspire faith in you to be the first, and number two, to equip you with boldness when you are the first. You don't have to raise your hands, but I feel like we could probably all say that we have found ourselves there at some point in our lives. Maybe you're not the very first person in the entire world, but maybe you're the first person in your family to do something. Maybe you're the first person at your job to step up and do something. Maybe you're the first person in your industry to have a new way of doing things. I don't know what it looks like, but we often find ourselves with the faith to be the first. And we find ourselves in what I like to call the in-between. Anyone ever found themselves in the, how many of us are in the in-between right now, right? Like we live and we love the mountaintops. I love mountains. I chase mountains. I chase snow. I am much more of a mountaintop person than a beach person. 
And we laughed because when Martine started dating Lechisia and we were talking about our family vacations, he was like, wow, you guys really like cold weather. I was like, it's going to be so fun. We did Alaska. We're going to do Iceland. I can't even wait. We're skiing in Colorado. And he was like, wow, like I just crave mountaintop experiences. But the reality of life is we don't live on the mountaintops. I've said this before. Mountains are very expensive to live on. You have to prep yourself to live in the mountains. It's wild. When I go to the mountains, it's like you drink extra water so that you don't get elevation sickness. When you're boiling water, like trying to make mac and cheese, forget about it. I'm like, kids, no, sandwiches. Like it's like two hours to boil water. Like it's so different with elevation. But we find ourselves in these in-between spaces where we're on our way to the mountaintop, But we don't know when that moment's going to hit. And so we're in the mundane of life. And I'm preaching you today straight from my life. Because I was up there in production just crying as Sean was singing that song. I've seen you move in whatever the lyrics are. This is why I'm not on worship. Also, I can't sing. But he talks about the hospital room. Man, I remember that. Some of you know 14 years ago, Elijah and I, had just gotten married for one year and I was rushed to the hospital home from Dominican Republic to Chicago. And then they drove me to Kansas city and I got to the hospital room and the doctor looked at Elijah and like, I was just crying during worship because the doctor was like, there's nothing else we can do. Like you need to come and just say goodbye to your wife. And I was like, and my husband of one year is coming in to say goodbye and my father. And I'm just like, well, and I just, I remember that moment. I, I prayed. It was the most painful moment of my life. It started a trajectory of about six to nine months where we were in and out of the hospital every, I mean, listen, CHOP in Center City knew us by name. I was like, this is not a great place to be. But we were there so much because of what we were going through with my health. And I remember those moments of faith. And I remember hitting rock bottom and saying, God, If you don't show up, I have no other option. I'm not anti-doctor. I believe God uses doctors. I was in the hospital room saying, God, you have to show up. I trust you for this. There was moments when Zion was born and he was so sick. And we were telling someone the other night, he was so sick and he was so hard as a baby. And we were just like, what is happening in the times we were in and out of the doctor's office? And I remember it is a completely different faith. It's one thing for yourself. It's hard enough to have faith. And if there's a parent in the room, you will understand. It is hard enough to have faith for yourself. But when you have a child, you want to take every pain, every heartache, everything they feel. You're like, how can I take that? And I remember with Zion being there saying, I don't want him to have to go through this. He's so sick. He's in pain. But I remember that being such a moment of testing for me to be like, God, I trust you with him. I have to have faith that you love him even more than I do, which is so unfathomable as a parent. But it's where you get to, you say, I have faith. If you're a parent, you can relate with that. You see, today, I want to talk about being the first. Because the Bible talks all about being the first. We're going to dig into Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, the chapter of faith later today. But the Bible talks
talks all about the first. You see, we see in the very beginning in Genesis, we have a firstborn, a birthright. Elijah preached about the birthright a couple weeks ago. And you have this firstborn. God asks us to honor him with the first. It is something, and we've preached this before, it's honoring him with the first of your time. It's honoring him with the first of your talents, the first of your finances. There is something to be said about the first. It's not the after of what I have left. It is the first. And then we see that it goes even further and God begins to tell us stories of Noah, right? And Noah built the ark and sometimes we leave it at that story. But if you actually look historically, there had never been a rain from the heavens to the earth before. So right now, if you and I went out and I was like, oh, we're going to build a boat because there's probably going to be flooding. That would make sense to you because you're like, yeah, the weather's been a little crazy lately. Like that seems like something that we should do. That would make sense. But it had never rained. So it was Noah finding himself in the first. It's Moses standing with the Israelites at the edge of the Red Sea. The first time God parts it. Like it's easy to look back and be like, that's an awesome story. But like, I say this all the time, put yourself in his shoes. Can you imagine millions of people being behind you? You're like, I don't know, but maybe if I raise my staff, the entire sea will part and we will walk across on dry land. Like, this is just mind-blowing. And we see all through, the Bible talks about the first. But see, what, what I believe we have to start with, we have to start with way back a long time ago when we were kids, And there was something special about each of us. There was something unique about you. There was something unique about me that somebody saw in us. And sometimes we sit here today with all the puzzle pieces and we try to make sense with just our story right now, right? And it's something that we have to peel back the layers. Maybe it's a little bit of going back in and saying, yeah, that was hard. This was an awesome moment. This was this. But there was a moment someone spoke to you about what was inside of you. And Doc, if you can, I would love to show you this first clip. This, in this clip, we see Catherine Jones. And again, we see her as a child in her school where her teacher is talking to her parent about the skill that she has. So watch this. 15, 16, prime. 18, prime, isosceles, scalene. In all my years of teaching, I have never seen a mind like the one your daughter has. They're offering a full scholarship. All you have to do is get there. Miss Coleman, why don't you solve the equation on the board? Common sense says at least one of the two terms has to be zero to the quadratics and to a form. Look at that side of the equation it equals one. Two done that is pretty straightforward from there. I love her so much. I, can you just imagine being one of the other kids in that class saying, oh my goodness, this child just walked up to the, the chalkboard and had it in her. Yeah, I want to look first, and if you will go with me, if you have your Bibles, if you have your phone, you can open. But First Samuel 3, we see a story of a boy named Samuel. I have to tell you a funny story before I read this. 
We went in 2021, Elijah's cousin got married out in Idaho and her now husband, her fiance, his family had all this property and it was just massive, massive farmland and mountains. It's just breathtaking right at the border of Canada. But we stayed in an Airbnb and we had to stay a little like it was probably 20 or 25 minutes away, but it was like just on the other side of the property, but it's like so big and so expansive out there. And so we're staying in this house and in complete honesty, it was a, it was a very beautiful house. It was a log cabin, but it was like two stories and it had full glass windows in the front of the house. And I remember we had to go to the rehearsal dinner and Leticia had stayed with the kids and she was like, Ash, leave me anywhere else. I will go to a big city. I will take the kids on a subway. I will navigate new neighborhoods. Don't leave me in this house again. Like you're just in the middle of nowhere with no one around. She's like, Ashley, if something happens, no one's going to know. And so we're already kind of in this house. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not a bad house. It's just you're in the middle of nowhere and we're used to city noises, right? So Zion and Anne go to sleep and we have them sleeping upstairs in one of the rooms with like all these beds, like bunk beds. And so the kids are in there sleeping and we put them to bed and we're like, okay, they went to bed, whatever. And so we're laying there. Well, I didn't realize that a lot of houses out there don't have central air because it doesn't get that hot out there. So I was like, Lodge, we're laying in bed. And I was like, wow, it is so hot. And he's like, I know, I feel it too. Okay, let me go see. Maybe the air's just not on. Maybe I, so he's kind of wandering around trying to find it. And I think he found some window units. And so he's walking around the house, whatever. Well, the next morning, we don't think anything of it. He comes back down, goes to sleep. The next morning, Elijah's sitting in this chair right at the deck, overlooking all the property and doing his devotions and praying. And he's sitting there. And Zion and Ane come down and Ane goes, Daddy, yesterday was, last night was so scary. I couldn't even sleep. And if you know Ane, sometimes like everything is like a bit more than it really is. And so Elijah was like, really? Why Ane? What happened? She was like, there was someone looking in our room. And we're like, what? Like, this is creepy. Okay, who's here? And so we're like, oh my goodness. And so she's telling Elijah about it. And Elijah's like, what? And so Zion comes over. We're like, Zion, do you know what happened last night? He goes, well, yeah, this person on Nate kept saying was looking in our room. And she kept saying, I think this house is haunted. I think there's something in here. And we're like, oh my goodness. Well, Zion on Nate's bed was facing this way. So she's seeing the door. Zion's bed is this way, so he's not seeing the door. He's facing outside. And he's like, Daddy, I'm telling you, I told Ane. She said, Zion, it's back. Zion, someone's walking out there. And Zion goes, I told her, no, this is what Samuel did. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And then Ane, you just have to wait for Jesus to speak to you. And we're sitting here, and we are dying laughing. And I'm like, okay, well, like, one child has like gotten saved. One we're praying through. So we're like, you know, dying laughing about it. We're like, oh, no, it's fine. It's not haunted. It's not a ghost. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden we realize, oh my word, I think that was Elijah looking for the air. And we have sent our kids into a tizzy. One child is convinced the house is haunted. One child is like, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And I'm like, all right, well, here we go with the scripture. So if you would turn in your Bibles, 1 Samuel 3, and we're going to pick up in this chapter. Samuel is a little boy in the Bible. 
who was promised to his parents and his mom had not given birth and his mom came to pray and said, God, if you give me the child that has been promised, I will dedicate him back to you to serve you, to love you, to be raised in the temple around your promises. And so we pick up first cha- first Samuel three, verse one, it says the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. This was one of the prophets in those days. The word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. Did you call me? But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned by sacrifice or offering. Samuel laid down. Can you imagine a child getting this kind of message from the Lord? Like, what do you do with that? Samuel lay down until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely if you hide from me what he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, And there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. You see, Samuel was one of the first. The scripture starts with, they didn't have visions. This wasn't a common thing that was happening. And yet God comes and appears to Samuel, speaks to him. And Samuel, out of obedience, if you read the book of Samuel, he is one of the most obedient men in the Bible because he obeys God with everything that is said. You see, this isn't a time in history where we don't see many childhood stories in the Bible. There are not many biblical characters that we see the childhood story of them. Some of them just show up on the scene. Anyone else like a reader? I, 
I never did as well in reading, honestly, because I got way too caught up in the story. So I would be like, but why are we here? Why are they going somewhere? What are they doing? And so I would always get caught up. And this is one story in the Bible where God lays out for us Samuel's childhood and how he got to where he was. And I want to ask you first and foremost, and if you're taking notes, write this down. I want to ask you, what has someone seen in you? What do you see in you as a child, as a young person, where you are right now? What do you see in you? What did someone speak into you? I want to challenge you to do something. I was so challenged by God to do this, and I want to pass on this challenge to you this week. Because God challenged me to create, and I don't know the right word for it, so I'm calling it this, but like a spiritual, personal resume. You know, sometimes, have you noticed, we focus so much on who we are and what we do. I never realized that until meeting somebody. It's like, hi, my name is Ashley. That's incredible. What do you do? I'm like, hi, I'm also a mom. I love people. Like, I have all these characteristics that make me up. But yes, here's what I do. And so I want to invite you this week to peel those things away. And I want to ask you, if you were setting up a resume spiritually for yourself, who are you? Are you someone who's patient? Are you a listener? Are you someone who's kind? Are you a dreamer? You see, sometimes these are things that if we don't take time, I love this movie, Hidden Figures, because they set Catherine up with what her skills are. She didn't just roll into NASA, show up at a Pentagon briefing and be like, I might be able to help with math here. Like, that's not how it happened. She already had that skill. She had that tool in her tool belt. Elijah and I talk all the time. There are so many things that we've had to learn to do that I never would have thought I was going to do if you told me this. I never thought we would have a creative agency. We never thought we would do video. Never thought we would do graphic design. Never thought we would go through a building project. There was a whole lot of tools that we've added to our tool belts over time. But you know what's incredible is as you begin to follow what God's given you, as Catherine began to follow the path that God had for her, every skill and every tool was pulled out for such a time as this. And I think sometimes these are the things that we look over, right? Like I'm a dreamer. I I love to dream. I've told you this before. I'm always on to the next dream. What's happening next? How can we do it more? How can we reach more people? How can, like, I just, I thrive on dreaming. But if I didn't know that was my skill set, there are incredible amounts of people that have told me very differently through my life. There are a lot of people that are like, oh, Ashley, why can't you just be pleased with where we are now? Ashley, why can't you just be happy with Ashley, why do we have to think about what's next? I'm like, oh, because where else are we going? Like, are we just wandering? Like, I don't like to wander. And so I just like, but it's funny because it is these different skills that God put in me as a young age. It's leadership. And you know what? If you ask my parents about it, I laugh so hard because it is the epitome of who Ane is. I was strong-willed. I was determined. I challenged everything that was told to me. I was like, when somebody would tell me, no, you can't do that, well, why? Like, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. I wasn't trying to be a brat. I was just like, why? Like, do you have a good reason for it? Or did we just, everyone just decided we can't do it? Like, I just want to make sure. But you know what's crazy is that can be said to be one thing 
or it can become something that's a tool. And now here we are forging our way through the city of Philadelphia to transform a neighborhood. And there have been countless times we've been told no. And you know what my mindset is? Like, oh, I might not have been asking that question correctly. Let me try that again. Unless God told me it was a no, and if it's a closed door, I will walk away from it very fast. But I have these skills, and I want to ask you, what are those skills you have? And I challenge you this week, take some time and write it down. Acknowledge what God's put inside of you. Don't let it just be something, I work on my resume, and I need to have administrative and skills and typing and all this stuff. No, but who are you? As a man or woman of God, do you love people? Are you generous? Are you kind? Like, who are you? These are skills that cannot be overlooked because they shape where we're going. In this next clip, we find Mary Jackson in the courtroom pleading with a judge, and she's a new character, one of the other women that is in this movie. And she is, um, this is right before she takes the classes she needs to, to get into NASA. So watch this clip. I love her. Which one's going to make you the first? The first. The first to do something. You see, being the first takes faith. But I want to camp out on this idea for a minute because belief is different than faith. You can believe in something but not have faith in something. Let me give you an example. I have these chairs here. This chair, I believe, is a chair. And I believe this chair is a chair. And I can believe it and I can acknowledge it all day long. But the moment I sit in it, I am putting my faith in this chair that I can sit in it and it will not fall. This is a moment where I went from belief to faith. Here's the power of you going from believing to having faith in something. As you believe, you move to faith. When I have faith, it creates more room for belief. It's opening the capacity of the miracles that you can see in your life, which is opening the door for you to be the first in new areas of your life. The first to change the culture in your family. The first to have a relationship that honors God. The first to be a business owner that is generous with what God's blessed you with. The first, when I move from belief to faith, then it creates room for more belief. Now, this is a different chair. It's still a chair, but it's a different chair. And I have faith. I sat in that one and it held me. So perhaps, I believe this is a chair, but perhaps I can sit in this one also. And I have faith that this one I can also sit in. And you can go down the line and, you know, I would bring 15 different chairs that we have in this space. Because belief leads to faith. Faith leads to more belief. Are you tracking with me here? Here's the power of this analogy. The power of this moment is see so many of us camp out in belief and we never move to faith. I believe God can do huge things with someone's business. I've always believed that. 
I've always thought if you honor God, he will open the floodgates because it's a conduit for him to move through you. I believe that when musicians are honoring, I believe your stage widens. I believe in that. But when I put my faith in God, you know, Elijah and I were talking the other day and I was like, it's hard to live in this moment because belief goes to faith, faith goes to more belief, belief goes to faith, faith goes to more belief. But see, the thing is, sometimes we settle for sitting here. Sometimes we're like, okay, I believe it's a chair and I have faith that it'll hold me and I sat in it and I'm still good. And we sit here with all of the chairs around us. And some of us just live believing that it's possible without stepping into the faith to be the first. And I believe there are far too many dreams in this space that are sitting because you and I are stuck in belief and we have not moved into faith. And we are believing that could happen for somebody. I believe God could do that for their relationship. But do you know what I've been through? I thought about that as Sean sang that song today. Like, I'm getting rid of all the sorrow and all of the shame and everything. Because that's the problem is that's what holds us here in this chair. That's what holds us in belief. It's shame. It's fear. It's anxiety of the future. It's somebody spoke words over me and said, I'm not worthy. And I wonder what would have happened if these three women stayed a belief and didn't have faith that maybe just maybe they could change the trajectory for colored women across the country. Like this is a huge moment. I love this movie. Like a thousand percent. I just love it because it's a very well done movie. And as a creative, like you know, Elijah and I are very picky on movies, but it is incredible that they sat and he told her, no, you cannot get those classes. And can you imagine if she had said, all right, well, I guess I can't take those classes. And if I can't take those classes and I can't be an engineer at NASA, and if I can't be an engineer at NASA, then I probably can't be involved with getting a spaceship up into orbit around earth. You guys, this changed the trajectory. You know what's incredible is Catherine, the one lady, it actually, they had told her no, they had kicked her out, all this stuff. Do you know in 2015, uh, former president Barack Obama honored her for what she did to make progression in America for progressive measures? She got the first spaceship into orbit and friends now like people are building spaceships like their cars is it unbelievable to anyone else like we're like when are we all going to go on vacation to space like this is crazy but it went from belief to faith and faith creates capacity for more belief you see we have to live in this faith gap and I want to encourage you, if you get one thing today, my prayer for you is that you live in the faith gap, that you continue dreaming and continue believing things are possible, but that you don't stop at believing it's possible, that you have faith for it to happen. And that's why I brought up two different chairs, because in my personal life, every element where God has shown up has looked different but it's been the same God that has shown up. 
And it's been the same faith for a miracle that has shown up. This one was when Elijah and I are in the hospital. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what is this going to look like? They're like, hey, say goodbye. People are coming, this whole thing. And then God showed up there. And then I moved on and it was Zion. And it was like, okay, what is that going to look like? But God showed up there in that chair. So perhaps he can show up in this one. And then after that faith chair, it was moving on to this one. And we've told you this before, but when Elijah and I set out to launch this church, we knew that we knew we were called to go to Philadelphia. But the amount of naysayers that came against us and said, you can't do that. Why wouldn't you stay where it's comfortable? We left a great salary with benefits and free time and chilling. I mean, honestly, and why would you do that? Why? Because I just have faith for more. And then we stepped out into more and we moved our family here and it was scary as anything. And if I can be honest with you, that faith gap moment, you guys, like we were calling my parents, like we're counting quarters to buy milk for our kids. Like, okay, but I know, I know I heard from God. Like we were not living like we can be so generous. We're still like, Elijah challenged people, $100, $200, or $300 a month. These are like the commitment levels for sponsors. He's like, I want us to give $300 a month. I was like, okay, just to manage expectations. You just walked away from your job and I'm not working. So like, how are we doing that? He's like, I can't ask someone to do something I'm not willing to do. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And we try it. And it was the scary days of praying a check would come in so we could pay our mortgage. And it was a different faith gap, but it was a faith gap. And then it moved into Helm, this business that we never planned to have. We didn't go to school for business. Life didn't go for creative and I didn't go for business. It was kind of like, well, we have to figure out how to pay for things. And God told you what's in your hand. It's a camera. Let's give it a go. I mean, can't go wrong. We got nothing else on the table. And we sat there. But now I look and I was like, God, I hope you show up. And I remember when clients would come and be like, we want you to do a video. And I'm like, absolutely. And I would go talk to Elijah and be like, can we do that? I don't, I don't know. And it was these moments. If you're a business owner, entrepreneur, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, all right, let's make it work. And you step out, but it's a faith gap. But here's the biggest thing. As a leader, as a man or woman of God, here's the deal. You have to choose to live in the faith gap because you can get comfortable where you are. Elijah and I could have gotten comfortable with the church renting from Punchline, and that was not bad. We are incredibly grateful for them. We have a great, like, I still go up there and give cookies. I'm like, I just miss you at 6 a.m. on Sundays. Like, not driving the trailer, but we miss you as humans, you know? And so I loved it. But at the same time, it was choosing a faith gap. Helm could have stayed at us. But I'm telling you, God challenged us to be wildly generous with our business. And the only way we're going to reach the generosity goals that God gave us is for that company to grow. And so we took a chance on people. We're gonna hire you and let's see how it goes. And it was a faith gap. And there have been so many faith gaps. And this is what I wanna challenge you with. Daily waking up and saying, God, what can I have faith for today? What is it? Are you having faith for a house? 
And then you get, Heather's a new homeowner. Wait, she just got her house this week. <gasps> so exciting. But listen, oh, 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 production is excited. See, Doc wants to come help you with all that homeowner's work. No, but listen, listen, when you, now Heather's been faithful for a year and a half, faithfully making decisions that we've navigated this journey of faith. And she sits here now achieving that, a homeowner. But what's next? That's not to be dissettled. That's not to say it's not good enough or ungrateful. It's to say, God, where might you show up next? And maybe just maybe God's going to use Heather to invite people in from her neighborhood. And maybe that's next. Maybe she's like, I don't want people in the house. And now God's going to challenge her with something. Maybe it's kids that are going to come hang out with Cassius. And it's going to be kids who need to be loved and need to be cared for and need an environment to come in. And it's a faith gap. Are you tracking with me? The power of faith over belief. I want you to watch this last clip and then we're going to wrap it down. You see, there's something about being the first. Jesus was said to be the firstborn, right? We see that with Mary and Joseph. And in the Old Testament, there's something to be said for the firstborn. The firstborn has a birthright, like Elijah preached about. The firstborn has opportunities. The firstborn has so many things that happen. But at the same time, a firstborn, we're going to find out how straight this stage is in just a minute. Here we go. But at the same time, a firstborn has some targets on their back. And I don't know if you've ever felt like that as somebody who is the first, the first in my family to do something, the first in my company to do something, the first in the city to do something. See, a firstborn had a birthright in the Bible. And the reason for that was because they received double portion of the father's estate. Oftentimes, a firstborn was somebody who received the power and authority and dominion of their father. If it was over a kingdom, the firstborn son received it. If it was over a household and estate, the firstborn son received it. But we see this target on a firstborn's back. Why is that? It's because there is always so much more in line when you're the first. And I thought about this as I was preparing because for me, sometimes I feel like there's so much that can come against me. There are different things. There are different obstacles. There are things that come against me. Why? Probably because we might be the first. When Elijah and I set out to do this and have a company and have a church and do co-vocational ministry, I remember people saying, but that won't work. I'm like, well, it has to work because God told us every dime that comes into the church should go out to outreach. So therefore there's no room for a salary in there. So we need to figure this out. And so that's how we made this decision was pure obedience. And I remember somebody saying to Elijah, well, I mean, really, did God say that? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'd rather not find out. We just, we are pretty sure we heard very clearly. And they said, that hasn't been done. That can't work. And Elijah's like, but God said it. So I just have to believe it. And it was this moment in our decision making. And in that moment, we went ahead 
And we were faithful. And I sit here and there's so many family members and there's Zion and there's Ane and there's Lachesia that if the enemy can take us down, can affect our family. And if he can take us down, then it can probably affect Sadie and Michaela and Amy and Brian and Brian and Sarah. Oh! And Doc and all the way down. Because the first is always a pivotal person for everyone coming next. And it's going to be the city leaders that we connect with. And it's going to be the clients that we connect with. And it's going to be the people in the church that we connect with. And it's going to be Zion and Anais friends that come over to the house that are depending on us to live in obedience. You as a church are depending on us to live in obedience. Our team at Helm and Story Factory are depending on us. We tell them openly, even though not all of them are saved and go to church. Listen, the reason our company is blessed is because we honor God first. But I want to encourage you with this. In the midst of living in the in-between, in the midst of this step of faith and being the first, you may feel like there is a target on your back. And you may feel like everything is coming against you. Why am I constantly being sick? Why am I constantly fighting for more? Why is this process taking so long? Time and time and time again. And I've been there. And I'm not negating the feelings. Don't hear that. What I am asking of us is to recognize when you are the first, you are a pace setter. A pace setter in long distance running sets the pace for the the track that we're going to go on. Like, okay, we don't want people to sprint too far and fall back. And we also set paces because if we're going to go at this pace to break a world record, or if we're going to want to do these different things, this is the pace we have to run at. All right, I have to get going. We would say it in Zion's track. Hey, get out there and set the pace. You got to go because you can't sprint and fall away. You've got to be consistent and get consistently faster, consistently stronger, consistently better. But my goodness, just be consistent. That's what we would tell Zion because he would like sprint for 150 yards. And then he would just be like, oh, I'm like, no, you had 400. Like you have to go the whole way around. And so we would always talk about this. Listen, it's the same for you. And so where do we go from here? And Sean's going to come and we're going to just turn on some worship music. Here's what I want to invite you to do as we close out today. I don't know where you find yourself. Maybe you find yourself in the in-between, looking, having belief, but not having faith yet. Maybe you find yourself as a first, a firstborn, someone who is setting the pace and you feel like everything is coming against you. It's coming against my marriage. It's coming against my relationship. It's coming against my kids. Elijah and I have those times. We had that this week. We sat down and said, no, we are not letting anything come into our house. We are working till 2 a.m. We are trying to get this done. The kids need 900 things and school's ending and like everyone wants to celebrate every holiday at the end of school. And so we're like, no, we are not giving in. It is you and me and our family against the world. And that is what we're choosing. And I don't know where you find yourself today, but I want to open these altars. And maybe for you, 
it's your first time to even move to the altar. Maybe you're like, I don't know. I've never done that before. Maybe you want to step up here and just meet God. The altar is a powerful place. There's nothing special about it. It's a piece of concrete. But it is literally making the step to say, God, I'm going to step out because maybe if I take a step, you'll take a step towards me. And maybe if I step in and show my faith, perhaps, just perhaps, you'll show up in my relationship. Perhaps you will show up in my family, in my family where it feels estranged and I feel alone and my business opportunities, I'm praying for this. Maybe if I take a step of faith, maybe that's the direction I'm going. And that's what I want to pray for us today. And so if you would stand with me today as we close out. And as Sean worships with us. Maybe you just want to raise your hands if you're comfortable. Maybe you want to put your hand on your heart. I don't know what that looks like. But God, we just thank you for meeting us here. God, we thank you for the faith that you've put inside of us. God, a faith to step out, a faith to hold steady, a faith to run the race. God, a faith to be committed to what you've called us to do. And God, right now, I pray for every one of us. God, as we take this bold step of faith and as we say to you, God, we're inviting you in the in-between. We are trusting you in the in-between. God, would you just meet us where we are? God, I pray for every individual in this space. God, every individual that may feel alone, that may feel attacked, that may feel like things are not lined up, or why do I have this shame, or why do I have this guilt? God, anything that we are feeling, God, I just pray that you would come and meet us at these altars. Would you just meet us here? And I just want to open the altars right now. Would you just make your way up? Elijah and I would love to pray with you. Pray with you for a faith to step out. Pray for you a faith to run the race consistently. A faith to be the first.